0: It is indeed an honor to be here. I know you've already got your Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 16. I was telling Karen, I was looking forward to hearing John lead in worship. That's the first time I've been here since you've been here. And it was wonderful, John. Thank you, brother. That was great music. And I love the staff here, uh, all the staff. And you're blessed. And you know, I'm sort of partial towards your pastor, too. Are you aware of that at all? and it's a whole family. And uh, uh, I got stories on Jim too, but I will restrain myself from that <laughs> this morning. Uh, time will not permit. And as he, he told you that we had just come back from Romania. Uh, my wife was with me, was we six in our team. We were working with Sin Relief on the Ukrainian border with refugees and also with Romanians. Uh, that were doing that in NGOs because there was a cluster of us that were there. So when people would come across, uh, there were the policemen, the fire department, the world kitchen and sin relief. We had premier pristine position for those coming in. And so we would give them a bottle of water with a QR code on it. And uh, we gave out scriptures. And so uh, and then as conversations would allow with translation because we were dealing with Romanian, Ukrainian and Russian languages. So that made it a little more challenge. I'm a little rusty on my Ukrainian and Russian and Romanian. Uh, so I have to defer to translators and interpreters and uh, they also have to deal with my accent. So there you go. But all things considered and we are uh, in recovery mode, Got in late Friday night, so that being said, so if it, if I fall asleep halfway during my sermon, you'll understand. Uh, or if sometimes I make an incoherent statement or two, just say he's just dealing with jet lag, okay? And so if you'll be permit me that, that'd be great. So are you there in in uh, Matthew chapter sixteen? Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Let me give you a little context. When I was at Woodlawn, uh, for those 24 years, I'm an expository preacher. I think most of you know that, verse by verse, book by book. And so um, I'm working through the book of Matthew. And uh, to date, I've preached through 49 books of the Bible. Karen says there are 66, and most of you know that. She says, you're not going to live long enough to get through all of them, But I'm going to die trying. I'll just say that. So if I figured out if I live to be 126, I'll be able to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it. Uh, so last week, I was uh, preaching uh, at two different churches there in Suceava, uh, in, uh, Romania. And in the morning, I preached uh, the first part of our passage in 13 through 19 and then Sunday night, I preached 21 through 23. And so you're just in sequence with the Romanian churches right now as we're working through this, I think, strategic passage. Join me again as we pray. Father, we're grateful for what we've experienced already this morning. How marvelous, how magnificent, how matchless indeed is your love. So grateful for a time that we can gather as your people and be still and know that you are God and that you are exalted and will be exalted in the nations. Grateful for this wonderful church for the beacon of light it is not only in Gonzales and Ascension Parish and Our state, but around the world. Thank you so much for Dr. Law for his stellar leadership, his heart hunger for the things of you. And how he encourages all us all to live a life that's on the altar. And now, Lord, may you take your word and magnify your son. That, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and a heart to obey and a will that will be engaged and a life that will be transformed. For it is in the name that's above every name, the name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In his name we pray, amen. To understand something of the larger context of our passage today, Matthew 16 and 17 are what we call transitional chapters in the book of Matthew. Up until this point, Jesus has been doing active ministry in Galilee, and then he takes his disciples up to a place called Caesarea Philippi. He gets his disciples away for a few days of reflection but more than that, for introspection, things were about to change, radically change, to the point that when they come back, here's what will happen. Jesus will begin to emphasize even more the urgency of the hour. Opposition will rise and intensify till it reaches upon a crescendo point after the week of passion, as you know, concluding with his arrest, trial, Crucifixion, burial, and his glorious resurrection. So he's preparing his disciples for what they did not know was coming. They just thought they knew what was coming, they just thought they were ready. And I would say this parenthetically this morning we don't know what's coming, we have no idea what the future holds for any of us. Uh, The more I get around the world and even in in these United States, we realize how we live in a crazy day and age. Would you agree with that? It's unpredictable, it is unusual, it is unprecedented, and it's full of unknowns. But grateful that we do not rest on the unknowns, we rest in that one who knows all things who is sovereign God, and we can trust him in and everything. But these disciples were about to go through that point of change. And so Jesus has given them counsel. Secondly, in the immediate context, if you remember in, if you can look up just a few verses, Jesus asked the disciples who the men say that I am. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter very quickly, powerfully says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The great confession as we know this. Peter was confessing who Christ is, understanding both his deity and the work, his, his messiahship. And at that point, that's a high watermark in the life of Peter. Oh, I wish they could have stayed there. At that point he says, thou art Peter, the rock. You're the rock of faith. However, verses 21 through 23 doesn't go so well with Peter. Five verses later, he chokes on his own words. Jesus reveals to them what's about to happen to him. And Peter says, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Not going to happen to you. Why? I'm just not going to let it happen. And Jesus wills and turns and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Speaking to whom? Peter He says, you are now not a rock of faith, but a rock of stumbling in just a very short period of time from height to depth. Three steps forward, two steps backward. And to remind us that none of us in our spiritual experience ever have arrived No matter how great or spiritual a point we may reach and how bold we may be and the confessions that we may have in our life, you have not arrived. In fact, Paul would say, take heed lest you fall. Be aware of where you stand. And so... On the heels of that, Jesus calls his disciples to deal with this issue of what does it mean to follow me? Look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. No doubt with the context of Peter's fickleness, how he would go forward and then go backwards. And in our life I feel like sometimes we are that way. Is anybody else like that? You do well and then you don't do so well? Okay, three heads have nodded. I got a hand here, we got a few more. All right, so we do well, but then we don't do so well. We take a few steps forward, and sometimes we take two two steps forward and three backward. Why? And I think the key is found in verse 24. Understanding what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Let me adjust my ear here. There we go. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean? What does it cost? So please, let's talk for, about this for just a moment. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me. First of all, he issues what's called the invitation to follow. The invitation to follow. Now understand something about the wording here. If anyone wishes... In the original language, it's in the indicative mode, which says, means this, it's a choice. It's not something that is that, that he says, I'm commanding you, this is your opportunity. Because you follow me, because you have believed the gospel, now, what are you gonna do about it? What decision will you make? Jesus never preached a message for information's sake. You understand that? Jesus never preached a message just to entertain. Every time that Jesus would speak, every time that he would teach, it was not for information, it was for transformation. Whenever the Word of God is read, whenever the Word of God is spoken, whenever the Word of God is preached, there's a there is something incumbent in the message that says, we must change. We must respond to the beckoning of the Spirit of God through the Word of God. If you came here this morning just saying, well, I'm going to get some more Bible information so I can regurgitate what I've heard, well, then this morning is an exercise in futility as far as you're concerned there's going to be an invitation from his word to us for correction direction and change so let me ask you this what did you have on your mind before you got here some of you with small children were just glad to have a mind I understand that You got in the car with the children and you're getting there and you're getting them all buckled in and they're fighting with one another. I would imagine that some of you have children that don't always cooperate with each other. And so when you get here, you're just glad to get in the door in some degree of sanity. There may have been other issues this week. In your life, at work, financial, relational, emotional, and you're just here. But let me say this to us this morning. Would you say, Lord, I'm here and I'm listening. Help me to focus upon your call to my heart and the desires that you want and you will to change in me. There's a song that goes, I'm not going to sing it. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. I want to be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. Change my heart. Would you be willing to pray that right now? Jesus says, if you're willing, here's the invitation. If you're willing to follow me, it's a choice that we make as followers of Christ. We would think that that would be the decision we want to make. But then notice, please, the three imperatives of following. Notice, please, he says, first of all, he must deny himself. That's the first imperative. Look at the next imperative. Take up his cross. That's an imperative. Literally, it reads, you must take up your cross And thirdly, third imperative, you must follow me. So if you embrace this and say, all right, I'm going to take seriously my faith, then he says, fine. This is what I desire. He says, first of all, let him deny himself. That's a strong word. To deny, deny himself. In fact, it's the same word that was used to describe Peter's denial of Christ. So it's not just some uh, some easy word, but it's a strong word to deny yourself. It's now to understand this to follow him is not. It's not some change like we make changes in our diet plan. How many of you have been on a diet sometime or the other within the last month, year, or you're always making plans to lose weight? Seldom do people make plans to gain weight. But then we will will orchestrate these plans on how we're going to get things in order. How we're going to cut back on the calories and we're going to do whatever. But we, we don't always hold true to those things. Have you noticed that? It's not like an exercise program. Do you know that most exercise equipment does great for hanging clothes? We, we have the best of intentions. We see these strong, robust people that are working out, and we go, oh, that's what I need. That's going to fix me. We get this, and we work out. I mean, we're, we're, we're focused for a week or two. And then we drop off, and we start hanging clothes on that. And after a while, it just gathers dust. And in just a few months, it's in a garage sale somewhere down the road. This idea of denying self is, is not, neither is it a call to be a sour puss for the gospel. Some We'll see this idea of denying self and somehow then I've got to be so sober and so serious that I'll just turn sour in my life. It's not a call to weirdness. In other words, to follow Christ, I've got to be, I've got to be so different so to the point that I'm weird and just don't fit in. Even to the point of being monastic. Living in a monastery. Wearing robes. Having colorless garbs. This type thing. No. In fact, Jesus said in John fifteen eleven, he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be, become full. To follow Jesus is the fullness of joy. Jesus said in another place in John ten ten he says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. See, here's the wonder of this idea of denying self. It is so much so that it's putting in check that which God desires best for our life. In other words, putting in check ourself So that who God designed us to be can become how and why he designed us to live. It is the denying of control of our life and allowing him to determine the reason and direction for my life. I know a few years ago, there was a, well, many years ago now, there was a car tag that you put on your car, and it really sounded spiritual. If you remember, it says, God is my co-pilot. Does anybody remember those, those heretical uh, t- tags? Now, some of you didn't put it on. That sounded really good, like you and Jesus are driving this thing together. You know what the co-pilot does? Nothing. He just sits over there because I have a friend of mine who flies for Delta. He just called me last week. He's he's about to move from the right seat to the left seat, the control seat. And he's excited about it. So often we say, Yeah, me and Jesus are working it all out. He's my co pilot. No, he's not. If he is, then he's not in control. It may sound good, it's just not true. You see, the idea of denying self is giving up control. Yielding to him that he is boss and we are not. You remember what Jesus prayed in the Sermon on the Mount? Thy kingdom come, Thou will be done on, as it is in heaven. That's denying self. Lord, I want your will. I want your will done in my life, in my family, in my church. Not mine, not my good ideas. And in the garden of Gethsemane. You remember what he prayed? He said, Father, if this cup can pass, let it, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. How many times do you think Jesus prayed that in his life? Do you think that's the only time he ever prayed that? Hello. Do you think he just held those famous words for that night in the Garden of Gethsemane? No. That was his daily prayer. What we pray in our time of crisis generally is the reflection of what we pray all the time. If we pray, not my will, but thine be done, it'll come out in the most difficult times. God, I want your will in my life. So if you wish to follow me, the imperative is, first of all, give up control. Yes, Lord, I yield to you. But then notice the next statement. Not only you must deny yourself, but he says, but take up, now look carefully at the wording here. It's really important. Take up whose cross? What's that pronoun? Take up his cross. In the, old, in, the, in the New Testament day, in the time of the Roman rule, whenever anybody was bearing a cross, that means carrying a cross, it always ended badly. You knew that if, if the Romans had, had brought a man and he was carrying his cross, you know where he was ended up. He was going to end up being crucified. It always ended up in death. But notice what Jesus says. Let him take up his cross. Not my cross. Those are two different ideas. What is his cross? Well, what he's saying to us is, you're taking up your cross. You can't take up my cross. You see the cross that Jesus bore? Second... Corinthians 521 says, and he who knew no sin became sin, that we might, literally in the language, be begotten the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 5.9 says that when Christ died on the cross, he took the wrath of God, that which was intended for us, that would cast us into hell, our hell, Jesus bore upon himself on the cross. Galatians 3 says this. He says, he bore the curse of man, our sin. As we were so reminded in Psalm 51 in that song about our fallen condition, Jesus took the role of sinful, lost humanity. And then Hebrews 2 says this. He tasted death for every man. Brothers and sisters, that's a cross too heavy for anybody to carry. Jesus bore our cross. He took upon he took upon us, excuse me, he took upon himself our own sin. You're reminded of that old hymn. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. And when before the throne I stand, I stand in him complete. Child of weakness. Let me get this straight because I want to say it right. And when before the throne I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. You know the chorus? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. His cross, we cannot bear, nor should we attempt to bear. So what is our cross. What is the take up his cross? Well, it's, it's not about as heavy as his. Uh, Matthew 11 says, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest in your soul. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Whatever The cross that we're to bear is light. It is easy compared to that which he bore for us. Whatever it is, it doesn't compare to the weight of his cross for us. See, our cross is not so much having to do with, as you would hear, well, I'm I'm bearing my cross. I've got the aches and pains. My back's down again. No, 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 no. Our cross that we're to bear has to do more with our service, our fellowship. To bear our cross means that there are certain things in our life that we're willing, we have to leave. Some things that may be really good, but they're not God's best. Others may, but you may not you've got to leave it. Others may go that direction, you may not. Others may say those things, you may not. You've got to leave it. It speaks of those things that we loathe, things that we must hate, sin, rebellion, lust, greed, pride. And those things that we must love, we love his word, We love God's people. We love to pray. We love Him. To take up that cross, all of us have a have a mission, have a purpose, have a design for our own life. So let me ask you this. Giving up control means this. Say, Lord, not my will but thine. Now, what must I carry? What's my responsibility? What is it? What's the call in your life? What's the service that we are to render in our life in following him? Take up his cross and then the final statement. I'm not even going to get to verse 25, Jim. I'm sorry. And follow me. The idea of follow means that you get in line behind. Suddenly you you identify, in old rabbinic terms, in other words, when a rabbi would come and he would conscript or he would call those to follow them, then the rabbi would lead them and they would come and they would stand and walk behind him. And suddenly as wherever the rabbi went, they would go. They would just follow him. That's what it meant. It meant that whatever he determined for the, wherever he would go, they would go. Whatever that he would say, they would learn how to say it. See, following means that it really comes down to three areas of our life to follow him. It means, first of all, we follow him in our life whenever. He calls us. Whenever. Young person, you believed in Christ? When does your discipleship start? Now. Never too young. Teenagers, there's a world of things going out there, but the call is now. But you don't understand. I'm, one day I'm going to be more committed, but right now I'm raising a family and this and that. Why are you waiting? It's whenever. Now is the time. The New Testament word is not later, it is now. When I get older, well, then when you get older, you say, well, when I retire. Now, it's whenever. And then some will say, "Well, I'm too old." No, you're not. If you're breathing, you're not too old. It's whenever. Secondly, to follow means this. It's to call to follow whatever he asks us to do. Whatever. We're not just talking about preaching and teaching and singing. Witnessing, sharing your faith—it means maybe you need to be a part of, of of this idea of your life of giving, helping, visiting. The whatever that God wants us to do, I mean, it could be God's calling you to coach. God's saying you need to stay where you are. God's saying you need to quit where you are. You need to speak. You need to keep silent. You need need simply to obey. Following him means whenever he calls, we say yes. It means whatever he asks us to do, we will do. But thirdly, it means wherever he leads, I'll go. Do we sometimes qualify the call on our life as a believer? I'm not talking about calling to preach. I'm talking about calling to live. Do we sometimes just say, here's, a, here's the, here's the parenthesis that you can work within? No it's whatever it's whenever and it is wherever that, that aspect of taking our cross and following him and living a life that's in obedience may be as simple as just simply going back to the place that you work and modeling it and obeying and living a life of obedience and holiness or at your school Or in your home. Or in your neighborhood. Or or to another city. Or to another state. Or to another nation. Psalm 121 ends it. He says, I will guard you going out, and you're coming in. From this day forward, and forevermore, following him means wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever. Now, let me ask you a question: How are we doing? Three steps forward, two steps backward? Or is it just a consistent forward moving and movement in our life? Deny yourself. Give up control. Take up the cross. Embrace the responsibilities that God has given you to do, and you know what they are. There's not a person here who's a follower of Christ, a blood bought believer who doesn't have a sense of direction and prompting by the Spirit of God. If you're blown to him, he's going to clue you in on what he wants you to do. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And then finally, follow him. Wherever, whatever, whenever. Why? because he deserves it all. He deserves the glory. We live our life not for ourselves, but for his glory and for his honor because there will be a day that we look back and we will say, I wished I would have, but I've run out of time. I wished I would have said something, but the opportunity is no longer mine. Or we'll look back and say, if I had to do all over again, I would do it all over again, and I'd just do it even better. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just a couple of things to remind us of. The invitation is never a time to get up to leave, but a time to cleave to the prompting of the Spirit of God in our life. If you've never trusted Christ, if you've never responded to the gospel, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Recognizing our own sinfulness. Our need for God and crying out for mercy. And believing in Jesus as the one who died for us. He took our sin. He took our place. He took our disgrace. He was buried but he was raised to life on the third day. Do you believe that? Have you trusted him? Only has there been a point of conversion. And God is stirring your heart this morning. Oh, my friend, respond to his prompting. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you you know the Lord. There's been that work of grace in your life, and yet your life is more... Inconsistent. Would you this morning respond to the call, the invitation to follow? Would you say, Lord, right now I yield control of my life. When I try to take it back, I make a mess. I heed Romans 8, 12, 1 right now. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Would you say, I submit to you, Lord. I surrender. And that which I know that you've prompted in my life to do in responsibility, I say yes to that. I've delayed, I've postponed long enough. Today we settle it. And Lord, I get in line. I'm not going to blame it on age, whether it be youth or, or middle age or senior adult. Today is the day i start anew. I will follow you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for a church home. You know the Lord Jesus. What a great place to come here and become a part of a vibrant fellowship that will equip you and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. You come. But there may be some here this morning. Some young men that God's put on your heart the need to serve in particular service, a call to preach, something that that's been gnawing at your soul. Would you say yes to him? Would you respond to the call of God in your life? Or if God is speaking to your heart about missions on a more extended level, extensive level, wherever He leads, I'll go. I will follow. Father, we pray that your will be done in all of our hearts today for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.